Hello and welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast. Now, I promised that Jess Stafford would be back in the host seat, but unfortunately that's not to be the case. She's enjoying her time in LA far too much. I'd like to think it's because I gave her four winners at Santa Anita on Saturday, but it's probably more the fact that she's in despair following not being able to put up Zanza in last week's Denman Chase. Any long-term viewers of this podcast will know that Jess is Zanza's biggest fan, but she seems to back him when he loses and never when he wins. So I'm sure she's still reeling from the fact that he hacked up at a big price, which caused a shock for both Ross and I. So until Jess returns, I'll be hosting the SBK Betting Podcast. Hopefully that'll be next week, by the way. And I'm joined by the brilliant Ross Miller. Ross, the last week we've had uh, better weather outside. It's been Valentine's Day. We're edging ever closer to the Cheltenham Festival. How are you keeping? Are you getting more excited? Uh, about Valentine's Day or Cheltenham Festival? Uh, no, uh, Valentine's Day actually clashes. I say clashes is also my my wedding anniversary. So I actually took unprecedented day and a half off. I still mucked out uh, Tuesday morning, but uh, yeah, I had a day and a half off, went to Bordeaux. That was nice. Still managed to, you know, when Ems was looking at the nice scenery, check the phone down to my left and keep abreast of the racing. But yeah, feeling feeling refueled ready to go on and we've got nice weather here it does make you feel like spring's coming and if you're a racing nut spring means Cheltenham and an entry um so yeah good to go tc spring also means a couple months until the flat season which is uh, why i'm exceptionally happy right now um but no i'm really looking forward to the jumps racing this weekend and also the cheltenham festival lots of talk this week about cheltenham which we'll get into in a little bit before that let's look back at last week's results it was kind of a mixed week for the podcast we tipped a couple of uh, good place selections but also one winner which was oakham risk in the featured betfair hurdle i put him up at 14 to 1 in the pod went off at nines and managed to hold off the Irish blot, which was Filey Bay in a close finish. So not only a good winner there in the, in the feature race, but also some nice value if you got that double-figure price on the pod. Ross, was there anything of note last week that ran that you think will go well at the Cheltenham Festival? I thought it was a pretty dire week, to be honest. Yeah, there wasn't anything. There was just one that uh, he, he won the, the, the chase at uh, Newbury, Cursoren. Now, obviously that race fell apart because McFabulous was found to have a irregular heartbeat but I just liked how he did it and his mark is unchanged he holds an entry in the national hunt chase he's on a mark of 140 that would give him I you know what's going to be probably about stone to find if uh uh Gary de Menil turns up uh, though I'm getting a bit cool on him and you've been calling him from the start but I just wonder whether he might get a Kim Muir entry John Joe was very careful with his jumping up the home straight you know he wasn't sort of all out desperate to win it and then jumped the last and and powered clear i think he's going to be a much horse, uh, a much better horse over further than than three miles um big field handicap might not suit him given that his jumping has been sketchy so far but it was much better on saturday so he was one that i thought was interesting uh, if they did decide to go kim Muir route i'll also chuck one in actually which is mr coffee who i thought ran very well to finish second in the three mile handicap chase at utoxter he wasn't really asked for everything until the final hundred yards which leaves me to su- suggest that there was they were leaving a tiny bit there ready for next month at cheltenham for the national hunt chase when and we've already both discussed alongside jess in the cheltenham antipost podcast make sure uh, you go view those by the way on sbk's youtube or spotify if you haven't seen them already but we all fancy mr coffee for the national hunt chase i think he's around 12 to 1 now was about 25s when we uh, filmed that pod. Now, talking about Cheltenham, two big news stories this week. Firstly, I'm absolutely gutted that Gordon Elliott is not running conflated, apparently, in the Ryanair. He's going to go to the Cheltenham Gold Cup and take on the likes of Galapande Champ, Statler, 
Brave Man's Game, etc. I think he should be running in the Ryanair. He would be favorite for that race. Obviously, I've tipped him to post and I've backed him. So I am a bit conflicted, but I think that would be the right move. So this is my public plea to Gordon. I've already made a public plea once on this podcast to Willie Mullins, and he didn't doesn't watch the show. So it's probably the same case for Gordon Elliott. But while talking about the Ryanair, the bigger news story this week is that Willie Mullins took out Alaho following an abdominal bleed. Alaho, who obviously won this race last year, isn't going to be coming back to the festival. He's probably going to miss the whole season. Hopefully we see him next year fit and healthy, but uh, it wasn't looking good for a short period of time. Now, Alaho's defection in the Ryanair leaves that race wide open and that market is now headed by Fakir Duderi. And that provides the perfect little link. See what I did there, Ross? Perfect little link into this week's feature race as the Ascot Chase is the race we're going to be talking about. And the leader of the market right now is Fakir Duderi. He returns to Britain after winning at Thurles. Um, potentially a bit lucky that day at Thales, but he comes to Britain with his head held high and he's likely to head the market. He's currently 11 to 8. There were initially seven horses in this race, but Manila Drama wasn't declared at the 48-hour stage. So Fakiduderi 11 to 8 could be a little shorter um, as well at the time uh, of the race, but right now around 11 to 8. Second in the market is Pick Dorhi at around 9 to 4. Then we have Shishkin and obviously the three outsiders. Ross, firstly, what do you make of, of the Alaho news? Secondly, who do you like in the Ascot chase? Uh, so, uh, Alaho is going to have torpedoed, you imagine, a huge amount of anti-post uh, selections, multiples and and the like. Um, it, it just shows how fragile these horses are. You know, they've obviously nursed him back from whatever problems he had at the start of the year that meant they were a little bit slow and then something... You know, very left field and not at all common comes and comes and gets them, and and that's Cheltenham over for them. And I I think most likely the the season over for them. It does perhaps, if you're not holding an Alaho ticket, open up a race that might have perhaps been a little bit boring to watch if Alaho just turns up and carts round. Although watching good horses do good things is always exciting in my book. It makes it a more competitive betting heat if you can make head nor tail of you know, who's going to run here, uh, conflated or not, and, you know, and, and how you then stack them up, um, because it's a pretty muddled picture, uh, as is as with the with the Betfair chase. Um, I can see entirely why Fakadudari has jumped to the to the head of the market uh, for the for the Ryanair chase and why he's a short price favourite here. He's a very solid horse. Uh, but I do really like Pickdory. Um and he's a horse that really frustrates me, or I frustrate myself with him is probably a better way of putting it, because I've been a big fan of him, and, and the last twice he's won, I found reason to oppose him. Um, but, and I'm prepared now for, you know, whatever comes at me, I think Shishkin is an absolute knockout price in this. He returns to a course where he's got his single best piece of form, Uh the trainer seems to think that he's lost a yard of speed and needs to go up in trip. If you uh, use Dunvegan as the line from the, the Tingle Creek, I, I don't think you can use Grinatine, who's 170 horse. He didn't run to his mark. But if you use Dunvegan, who's a 157 horse as a mark, it's feasible to suggest that even with a poor Tingle Creek run, Shishkin has run to a mark in the high 150s. Uh, that gives him about £5 to find with Fakadudari, who's who's that's about as good as he is. Shishkin is loads, loads better than that at his best. 
he might not even have to get back to his best to win this. Uh, the fact they've tinkered with his win suggests that there's a, a little problem found after after um, Sandown. Now, I know it didn't come to light straight away, but that kind of just have been brewing away in the background. Yes, it's a bit of a, a long shot because you are taking the view that this horse can get back. But the, the horse Venetia Williams that finished last in the Tingle Creek won a very competitive race at Newbury last weekend. I think we can be very quick to write off horses. You know, Gentleman Demi finished behind Shishkin in a Tingle Creek, bolted up at the Dublin Racing Festival. You know, I think we're almost more inclined to forgive moderate horses desperate runs than we are very good horses. And horses are horses, they're not machines. Nicky Henderson, as we've spoken a number of times, is the best trainer in the country at getting horses back. You know, what he did with Sprinter Sacra, I'm not sure many others would have tried and would have done. Um, so, yeah, I'm putting a lot of faith in, in Mr. Henderson. I think Shishkin is the best horse in the race if he gets back to anywhere near his best. And I'm fully prepared for a big load of egg on face, but that's the way I see it. And I think, you know, uh, at 72 about Shishkin in a, in a race of this nature is a big price. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, you say seven to two there. We were preparing to uh, say that he was seven to two, but I've just looked and best available is already 11 to four. I think he'll probably go off even shorter on the day, maybe nine to four, two to one, as people are trying to, much like you are, make the case for, for Shishkin, the old Shishkin coming back. And therefore, if that does happen, he's by far the most likely winner of this event and 11 to four or whatever price he goes off on the day will look like value. Um, I think the shape of this race is really easy to work out. You've got I right in here, Pick Dorhey. Both of those want to get on with things. They'll go to the front and set a reasonable gallop for the race, despite there just being six runners. Shishkin, I imagine, much like in the Clarence House a, a few years ago, will sit on the outside, maybe in third. First flow, potentially on the inside of him, uh, vying for third, fourth. Fakiduderi could be in between the pair or even just behind in fifth. And then Miller's Bank out the back. It should be a well-run race. We should have no excuses. Um, but the fact that they're going to go a reasonable gallop up front We'll put a couple of these horses under uh, scrutiny early on because both First Flow and Miller's Bank can make mistakes in their races. So, you know, they'll need to jump to, to maintain contact with these other talented horses. If Miller's Bank does jump, I think he's a, a real good player in here and a value bet. But that's a big if because he does tend to brush a few. Pig Dorhey, as you've already touched on, is well suited to this course. Very prolific, consistent animal. But I think he lacks the quality to win a, a proper grade one. And if the likes of Shishkin turn up and, and Fakiduderi, who won this race last year, returns with the same kind of form, I think Pick Dorhe will perhaps struggle in this race. Shishkin, as you've touched on, could easily roll back the years. He's the, the class horse of the race. But I just personally don't trust him right now. Um, if he wins this, then I'm happy that he's won. I'll be applauding him and I'll be celebrating alongside you despite not having any cash on him. But right now I've got to leave him from a, a wager perspective. So as boring as all that is, uh, I'm going to be with Fakadu Derry because I think he's just the most likely winner, most logical winner. Uh, he's got the least to prove in this race. And although he was a touch fortunate to win last time out in Ireland, uh, a couple of horses fell to his inside. One made a really bad mistake. He still ran to a mark of 166. Now, last year, he came into this Ascot chase, having finished second in that same event at Thurles, finished second to Alaho that time, didn't face Alaho this year, obviously. Um, but when he finished second to Alaho, he also posted an RPR of 166. So he's kind of in the same exact form as last year. Now, this Ascot chase might be better than last year's Ascot chase, but if he can repeat the effort that he produced when he won 
I think he's the most logical uh, play in here. It's probably not a betting race for me unless he drifts out to around two to one, which seems a little bit unlikely right now, but it could happen. And if it does, then I will back back Yadudari. Um Now onto the part of the show that I'm sure everyone wants to pay attention to, which is the naps and next best. I thought this weekend's action was super tough, really tough, trappy. So I'll let you go first, Ross. <laughs> yeah, thanks, TC. Yeah, no, it took a, took a bit of bit of just wading through and and finding, mm. and I've actually ended up with both mine at, at Wincanton. The nap is in the four seventeen, and it's Forever William, who is a really tough ride. Um, I actually had him on a shortlist at Taunton last time over two mile three. I got it down to two horses and, and went with the other one who actually finished third. And after a circuit, I was patting myself on the back thinking, yes, I've got, you know, I've gone with the right one here because he was hard at work. Tom Cannon was driving for all he was worth. And I just had him discounted and didn't even watch him through the race. And then all of a sudden turning in, there he was catching onto their coattails. And then you just have that sinking feeling, don't you? You know what's going to happen. Yours is traveling nicely, but the one you discounted is going to come and catch him and he duly did um he only got two pound for that i think the trip was too short i think the track was too sharp he's up two and a half furlongs now wing kansas is a more galloping track it's not an absolute galloping track but it's more galloping than taunton um i think he's he's going to be really hard to beat and i think some of the market will get taken up by sea lot more business who was really impressive he was harry derham's first winner harry derham's got the flying start 24 percent uh for this season which is effectively the last two months um but see lot more business got an uncontested lead on that occasion i think press your luck might just bother him on this occasion and i think they'll set a decent pace and that's going to suit forever william who hopefully won't be quite as hard work over this trip for tom bellamy taking over but uh, i think he'll get the job done and then the next best is also at wincanton in the previous race the 342 uh, edith elton won this race last year um, returns now off uh, just a pound higher. He's been running over trips short of this. And I don't quite know why, because three miles seems to be his trip. The first two weren't all that bad. He looked like he was going to win at Hereford before tipping up. And then he ran a nice rate at, race at Exeter, staying on from a long way back over a trip was just two mile three. Last time at this track was slightly disappointing in that over two mile four at the stage of the race where you expect him to be staying on strongly, he actually sort of weakened and checked out fairly tamely. But he's had a wind up since then, so that would suggest that there was perhaps a problem Problem found. He's back up to three miles now. He's got three career wins. All have come at Wincanton, uh, and I think he'll make it back-to-back wins in this race. Yes, just to, to make that concise, Ross's nap is Forever William in the 417 at Wincanton, and next best is Ediths Elton in the 342 at Wincanton. Could be a good 35 minutes for you there, Ross. Um, my nap, as I say, I thought it was a really difficult week, so my nap and next best, both on the all-weather um, the nap is in the seven o'clock at Newcastle on Saturday night, and that is Titan Bolt. Now, this seven furlong handicap features a number of course regulars and all weather specialists. Titan Bolt is perhaps the only horse in the lineup that doesn't fit that brief. But John Quinn's five year old ran really well in a couple of big field handicaps on the turf last season. Um, and then he had an in, a wind up in August, and then he was off for the autumn, which is Kind of odd because John Quinn does ex- exceptionally well in September, October time when the ground gets testing, though this horse does need better ground, which is probably why it happened. They clearly wanted to get him out early this season. He's already won, run twice at Southall and he finished down the field both times. Perhaps they're looking towards Lincoln weekend at Doncaster for the, his first initial target of the year, which is why he's out so early. 
Um, but he really caught the eye last time out of Southall. I thought he was uh, given a tender ride from the back of the field, not asked for everything, but he closed well in a race that was dominated by prominent uh, place horses. He's now five pound lower than when he was last successful. He's running off a mark of 85 and he drops down to class four handicap for the first time in his career and switches to Newcastle, which I think figures to suit a lot better than Southall. So Titan Bolt in the seven o'clock at Newcastle is my nap. My next best is at Lingfield in the 4.33, and it's a horse called Desfondado. I had to practice how to say this. I didn't want the same mistake as last week with one of my selections. Um, Although there are only five horses uh, in this handicap, three of them are previous winners, and the other, which isn't Desfondado, has strong recent form at Kempton. So the race looks pretty hot for the grade. However, Desmondado, who is the anomaly in here, has only run three times in his career, all at two last year, over inadequate trips. On all three occasions, he made a huge move into the race and then flattened out. He shapes to me like a horse who was really weak last season, and the winter will definitely help him mature physically and mentally. He, on his last effort at Epsom, it was only five runners in that race as well, he was held up last. He made a dashing move up the inside of the track, which is where you didn't really want to be that day. You wanted to be towards the middle at Epsom. Made a huge move alongside the leaders and really paid for that effort. Couldn't sustain it and eventually fade out of contention. I like the fact that now he's running in a handicap off a long layoff. Simon Dow does well at Lingford with his runners, a local track, and he's off a mark of 70, which is perfectly workable. So at what like is likely to be a value price, I'll take Des Fondado in the 4.33 at Lingfield. That is the Naps and Next Best done. Thank you very much for watching the SBK podcast, the regulars and the new viewers. Uh, It's much appreciated. And if you are tuning in to this podcast for the first time on YouTube, please whack that subscribe button so you don't miss out on our podcast every week. A couple of Cheltenham Festival pods uh, already there on our YouTube channel and there are more in the pipeline. We're filming one next week, I believe, as well. So make sure you uh, look out for that. There's also other exclusive video content as well, including Ross and uh, my trip to Sam Thomas's yard in Wales for our first episode of Tipsters on Tour. Also, why not whack a like on this pod? Go on, help us out with that. We have, we've appreciated the likes in recent weeks as well and the comments. Thank you very much for people who commented on last week's pod. Hopefully we get a few this week as well. Tell us who you fancy and who you don't fancy for this week or for the Cheltenham Festival. I'm sure you all have an SBK account by now, but if you don't, we have an offer. Bet £10, get £10 in free bets. Perfect for this weekend. You technically double your money, albeit you don't. But you get free bets there for a nice little play on the the action. Uh, T's and C's do apply, as always. A big thank you to you, Ross, as per. Brilliant. Hopefully a few winners this week as well. Hopefully, if you come for the winners, I've also put up a couple. But if you've come for the banter, tune in next week because Jess will be back in the hot seat and we'll banter about Zanza. Until then, be lucky.